This is Yoakum Strength Podcast, episode 19, with Austin Yoakum and Greg Ebosher. We are like dwarves on the shoulders of giants. We see things that are more distant that they did not. Not because their sight is superior, or because we are taller than they, but because they raise us up. And by they, their great stature, add to ours. If we have seen further, it is because we have stood on the shoulder of giants. Today, we welcome in a man who is... Quite literally a giant in person, um, in personality, and um, just a great friend and former teammate of ours. Um, U.S. Payne is currently a strongman competitor and a Moss wrestling champion. Um, he is former captain and four-year starter at the University of St. Thomas football team, and all of that doesn't really matter because the man is just a great person, um, living his passion, living his dream. And, um, I mean, I'm excited for everybody to get to know him today and kind of get a little piece of one of the giants that we got to stand on and what allowed our football careers to be as yeah. successful as they were. Yeah. Um, so welcome, you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. It's great to see you guys again. Yeah, you too, you too. It's awesome to have you here. Talking about literal literal giants in the room. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. was taking up this whole little dungeon of a gym. It's pretty sweet to see. Absolutely. Um, I, this quote, I feel like, goes really well with you because I don't know if you remember, but um, my first recruiting visit was with you. Uh, I went <laughs> oh, to, yeah? yeah uh, you took me to an exercise science lab where they were playing violins or something like this, and I was with you, and I walked in. He's like, Coach Cruz was like, yep, you're going to meet Ulyss today, like, I go through this class and I meet you and I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> I am tiny compared to this dude. I'm coming from like being the biggest kid in this small town and I yep. meet you and I was like, oh boy, yeah, we got a long four years ahead of us. <laughs> I have a good U.S. story too. Is orientation and they put you up in the dorm if you're from out of town and you need a place to stay. They put you up in uh, the apartments and I remember I don't know if you remember this, but I remember my mom and I got. <laughs> into the elevator and and you were in there and I was like holy smokes <laughs> and did you play football and you said yeah I play football I play offensive line I was like yep you definitely do <laughs> and my mom got out of the elevator and she's like are you ready for this college football thing I'm like oh, no <laughs> I remember that was in the Morrison elevator yeah, yep I remember that <laughs> <laughs> yeah you yeah, got a big old Superman shirt <laughs> I'll never forget it. Man. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, good, man. So, so for all the listeners who don't know you, just take us through your your you know where you grow up. Like yeah. So like I said, like I said my name is Eulis Payne, uh, the third. I'm yes. the third Eulis. Uh, I was born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, I moved over to the Twin Cities at 18 to be a football player at St. Thomas. And uh, I couldn't believe it that I was actually moving to Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I ended up, uh, I've, I've been loving it, so I, I am still here. I currently live in Oakdale, Minnesota. Um, and it's just been a wonderful experience, you know, being in, in an area that, that health and fitness and strength has been mm-hmm. so ideal um, to where I've now taken that to River Falls, Wisconsin, so right across the bridge back in, back in the home state. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's just, it's just been a pretty great time. Um, and like I said, it's great to be here with you boys. Yeah, yeah, we appreciate that. So now, growing up in Milwaukee, you you went you went to you actually you guys actually had powerlifting in high school, correct? Yes, we did. So right. I didn't. I got into lifting early. I'd say yeah. Like I actually I look back at a young age, even as a child, my father bought way 
weights and <laughs> um, not like a bullfuck, but he had like the chest press, he had let pull down, he had a whole setup in our basement, he put it in the corner. And I remember as a young child, my dad told me and my sister, like, you can play with it. It's a toy. He basically told us it was a toy. Yeah. So I remember, like, taking the lap pull, like, like seeing the cable and the weights and just, like, pulling the pin and, and doing a few reps. I'm like, oh, that was cool. Let me, like, go to the next <laughs> go the next way. And then I do it and feel harder. Um, so I did that till I was about 14. Uh-huh. And then uh, at 15 is when I started to kind of really get into to lifting weights. I luckily lived right by a YMCA. Um, and I haven't been to one in a while, but I know they changed a bit, but this was like a legit gym at the time. Mm-hmm. Like they had, it was all metal plates, a bunch of hundreds, platforms, and they had guys that knew how to lift there. So I started training there at 15, riding my bike every day. And I would buy like the bodybuilding magazines. <laughs> yeah. And I just was engulfed by them. And I'd see like the workouts they have and how these guys look. So I'm like, so I want to try that. Yeah. Uh, so from then until, uh, 18, that's basically how I trained. I mean, it was, I was going every day, no matter what. And that was in between playing all my sports. So then at 18 is when I got into powerlifting. So my high school didn't have one. I had just kind of heard about the sport, you know, cause I had been lifting so long and, and I noticed like, I seem to be lifting a little bit more than all these people at the gym. <laughs> yeah. And this is where the competitor in me kind of said, like, I wonder how strong I actually am. So luckily through football, on another team, a good friend of mine, um, he was on this other school's powerlifting team. And he mentioned to me, he's like, hey, if you want to talk, we just played them. We just played them in our first uh, preseason game in football. We kicked the butt. Uh, but he's like, hey, I'd like to meet, I'd like to introduce my powerlifting coach. Um, and I meant just this, like, Small old man. Yeah. I'm like, what? This guy's a powerlifting coach? Um, his name was RG. He, had, he ends up being probably one of the biggest role models in my lifting career. Wow. Um, but he said, yeah, I would love to have you over. Um, come by in, in um, November, and we'll, we'll see what we can do. So I learned, and this school is about 10 minutes from where I live. I learned that this team was two-time national champions. Oh, wow. Three, four-time state champions, <laughs> and every, like almost every kid on the team is a state or national champion, one world champion. So I'm like, holy cow. So I show up to the first day, and I just get wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> like this guy, this, 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 little, this little guy is telling me, like, how, like, he showed me the proper ways how to lift, so how to properly squat, how to properly bench. I learned that my few years of lifting – that was terrible. <laughs> my squatting and benching was bad. My what I did have, my deadlift was okay. Yeah. He saw me deadlift and he just looked at me. He's like, "You're gonna be something great." Um, so through that that winter of training, um, which I look back and it's still those were those were some amazingly fun times because it was a weight room probably just a little bit bigger than this of mm-hmm. uh, just squat It was four squat racks on this side, four on this side. And just two platforms. And there's about 20 to 25 of us. And all different weight classes. And they're, everyone is just having the time of our lives. We're training our butts off. We're having fun doing it. You know, we all know why we're there. Um, and, I mean, it, it was those, those memories that, that basically shape who you are. Right. I know you guys know exactly what that feels like. Um, the friends and teammates I had there and trained with are still some of my closest friends to date. Um, so that kind of that kind of set what what strength training 
meant to me. So I did uh, did my first meet. Uh, incredibly nervous because I'm actually going to see like where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up placing first at that meet, which took me to state, and I ended up taking second in state. Um, same thing again. Like even that experience, I got to meet some other giant monsters. Yeah, but so, I just want for the listeners and for myself, what were your numbers when you're 18? So let's see. My at the meet, my squat was 600. <laughs> <laughs> my bench was 325, and my deadlift was five. Was either five sixty five or five eighty five, and like and I, I knew like oh, that's pretty good. But like I remember there was one guy from I think he was from Eau Claire. Like this sucker squatted almost eight hundred. <laughs> a high school. Yeah. <sighs> Unreal. Yeah. So okay, so you got second place in that meet. Yep. Um. So then I thought, okay, like this is cool, but I kind of want to know where like where I'm at with not just like these kids because I'm in high school, but like. I kind of see where I'm at with even, like, grown grown adults. And, like, oddly enough, I get back home from state, and on ESPN, the World's Strongest Man competition comes on. And so I had no idea at the time what Strongman was. So I'm watching, and I'm like, holy cow, like, like no, that's like that's exactly what I want to do. They're throwing kegs, they're lifting cars and logs. Like, that's what I want to try out. Um, so I graduate in, um, I graduate in end of May. And at the YMCA I go to, like I said, there's a lot of guys who've been around, been around the weight room, know how to lift. They tell me, they're like, hey, you like, I don't know if you knew this, but there's a strongman competition going on in Milwaukee, right in Bradford Beach, uh, which is right downtown. I'm like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, you should look it up. So I look it up online, and I call the guy, like, he's the, the guy who's running it. His name's Sam, Sam McMahon, and who also ends up becoming, like, the second main like role model in my strength career i call him up and i say you know how my zeal's pain i like to do a strongman competition and instantly he's like no you're not doing that <laughs> like what are you talking about uh, he's like this isn't like you know a, a just getting started local competition like there this is there's going to be some top level guys um like the winners are going to compete at, at the next level yeah and I'm telling like, oh, you know, I just, I, you know, I just graduated high school. Like, here are my numbers. I just did state, and it's like, this isn't phasing. I was like, no, you're not doing. It. <laughs> uh, I'm at the, I'm at the beach with the friends too. Like some friends saying, like, no, like I'm seeing where the venue's at. Like, like come on, I know I can do this. I was like, all right, I'm actually on the way to the beach right now. Um, if you wait like ten minutes, I'll be there. I'm like, fine, let's do it. So this giant biker shows up. <laughs> Um, so it's him, um, and I find out he's a former professional strongman competitor, um, retired. Just massive. Just massive. (laughs) (laughs) Just ball, like, like, that's like the the stereotypical biker kind of big jackets, sunglasses, bald. I'm like, holy cow. Um, but he meets me and he tells me like, like, look, like this is some serious stuff. And I like, I don't want some kid who's never done this getting hurt. Yeah. But I just was not taking no. There's something inside of me. So like, no, this is what I want to do. So I said, all right. Dude, you're clearly not going to say no. He gave me a card. He's like, go show up to, I think it was on a, it was on a Thursday. He's like, show up to this address on a Saturday. Like, we're going to get you trained in some strongman. Mind you, the contest is I was like, say, how long before? Two weeks. <laughs> the contest is like a few weeks before I leave to go to And how, how far after state was this, like? March. Okay. February, March. And this is this is late May, early June. So I'm like, all right, let's do it. I show up to this this backyard gym 
um, a little spot, and I see these guys doing strongman. And I, like I said, I had no premise on like what it was like to do any kind of events. So I said, you know, my name's Eulis, and they all were expecting me. They're like, oh yeah, Sam said you'd be here, so let's get you started. <laughs> um, and like I, I learned right then and there, the few guys who were there were like very veteran competitors and knew mm-hmm. what they were doing. So like the first event I had was Husafel Carry. It's it's still today probably one of my least favorite events ever in the world. But they had it's just like basically this coffin shaped um, metal shield that they were able to load plates in. They're like, all right, you're gonna pick this up and you're gonna uh, hold it up to your chest and just walk it for as far as you can. Like, well, how much does it weigh? Three hundred pounds. Like, now go pick it up. <laughs> um, which I did, and it hurt so unbelievably bad. This is your first first, first time ever. Yeah, it's my first time doing anything strong, man. And everything. Like, my arms are burning. It's heavy. Yeah, it's like ninety degrees outside. <laughs> so I do that, and then Sam shows up, just laughing because I am just drenched in sweat. My arms are cut up. Yeah. Um, and then next thing we do is uh, frame carry. So this is when I started learning the events like I'm good and bad at. So the frame is just like it is, just like I said, it's a giant metal frame, handles at the side, and they can load plates on it. Almost uh, like a yoke or cut. Uh, it's like it's like farmer's candles, but okay. it's all one piece instead. Gotcha. Is it now? Is it like a frame that goes around you that you stand yep. in the middle and pick up? Exactly. Oh, that, okay, okay. Gotcha. Yep. Yep. So I think empty it weighed like six hundred. And, like, some of these veteran guys are, like, having some issues, like, getting it the whole distance. And, like, all right, Ulysses, you give it a shot. And I pick it up, and I just run with this sucker. <laughs> and, like, everyone looked at me jaw-drop, like, well, looks like that's going to be your event for the contest. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then a few other events, you know, axle clean and press, taking a thick axle bar, cleaning uh, it up to your chest. How much can you do with that in high school? For the but best, actually. so it's nuts to think about, like, the strength I was at before I got started with Strongman. Like, I remember, like, I'm like, oh, overhead, I really never trained it, like, that hard. Yeah. But I remember, like, I maxed out, and, like, the most I could do was 225. For an overhead press. Yeah. Um, which is nuts. Right, which I thought, like, that's pretty good till I go yeah. till I go to the, this place, and it's like, oh, the contest is actually clean and press 275 for as many reps as you can do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. Um, and then, like, I did some Atlas Stone training. So I was, I ended up being, on a Saturday morning, like, a five, six-hour training day. <laughs> And I, I leave, and I, and I, everything. I look back, I remember I look down in the car, like, my arms are just beaten and bloody from all the training. Like, everything's on fire and aching, and all I thought was, I cannot wait to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, that I, I trained for two weeks and show up to this show, this contest, and, like, you just said, I, I'm used to being one of the bigger guys. I felt... So small <laughs> coming to this show. There was a lot of guys from out of out of the out of the state. We even had um, an international competitor from Bulgaria competing, and it was so cool seeing all these guys from different backgrounds. Um, it was really eye opening to see like the level of strength that I had no idea even existed yeah. at this point. And I look back, and I was very happy that my first show was at such a high level competition. Um, I end up also do like disclaimer. I end up getting my butt kicked. Yeah. I think there were like 13, 13 or fourteen guys. I end up like eleventh. Um, but like a lot of those guys who I look back and competed with, like a lot, some are have been world competitors, um, wow. world record holders, um, a lot of professionals. So it's cool looking back and think like those are all the guys. Like when I did my first show, 
were there. But I remember just the feeling of competing in front of this huge audience at the beach. Um, we're competing in the sand, which I, was still one of the toughest contests. Oh, Most yeah. contests don't do that. Yeah. Um, but doing all these events, you know, keg toss, throwing the kegs in the air. Um, I ended up actually getting one rep on the axle, so I had a 50-pound PR. <laughs> so that was cool. Um, doing the you know doing the Husafel on the sand was still probably the most worst pains of torture I've ever done. <laughs> um, doing the frame carry and like showing showing these guys this this no name kid who came out of nowhere. That's sick. That that he's real that he's got some decent skill. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just that experience in general. That set the tone for me knowing, like, this is something I really want to do. Yeah. Um, and I was able to bring that to Minnesota then right. when I came to St. Thomas. So how did that transition work for you? So you, you decided, like, you fell in love with Strongman, and then you committed the four years of football at St. Thomas and kind of dominated there. How did that transition work? And what um, was the love for Strongman, and how did that all tie in together there? So I was very blessed that it worked really well together. So and this is the same thing. I look back and think, like, how much this was – this was connected. So I tell Sam, who ends up basically being like my strongman mentor, um, that I was going to go play football at St. Thomas. And he was a former football player, too. He played at Eau Claire. Okay. Um, he's like, oh, that's actually perfect. You can go train with Osland. I'm like, you mean Dave Osland, the guy I just watched on World's Strongest Man? He's like, yeah, he's a buddy of mine. He lives right in Edina. He's actually a former St. Thomas uh, student himself. He Dave was, Osland went to St. Thomas? Yeah, he was a thrower. <laughs> Really? What? Did not yeah. That. Yep. Yep. Dave no is a, Dave and his wife are both uh, Tommies. Dang. Wow. Um, so he's like, yeah, here's his phone number. Like when you're done with football in the off season, give him a call and he'll train with you. Uh, and I thought that was surreal. So you know, I I still when football started, you know, I trained for football, but I still implemented some things. Like I know you boys know during the season. On Sunday lifts, you guys saw me deadlifting in there. Like mm -hmm. that was one thing I still made sure I did, just because it I know it would keep me ready for right after the football season's done. I can do a strongman contest. Yeah. Um. So then once the football season was done, my freshman year, I I give Dave a call, and um, that was also a surreal experience training with him for the first time. Knowing it's like okay, I just saw this guy on ESPN. He's a, such a monster. Yes, same thing. Like where you think, okay, I've gotten a little bigger. I'm a little stronger than I was yeah. like a year ago, and then you meet this six, <laughs> seven, like three hundred fifty pound giant monster. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, but then I end up growing a really great relationship with Dave, um, and who ends up being a good, an amazing training partner, coach, mentor, and just overall like dear friend. Dude, I will never forget the first time I met Dave Oslin in person. Mm -hmm. We came to the uh, what even was that event at St. Thomas? It was, it was like a strength. like a national strength seminar. Sure. I thought it was great. It was awesome. Yeah, it was absolutely awesome. I mm -hmm. loved it. And and I remember we were sitting in line, and and Dave was like, "Whoever wants to try and flip this tire, try and make it happen. Like, see if you can do it. And if you could beat me." Then beat his tire flip rate, which you get something. I, I applaud people who try because it's like, uh, Dave has been the best in the world at yeah, tire it, flips. Dude, the way he flipped his tire <laughs> was mean, it wasn't just the strength, it was like the technique, technique. of all yep. of it, too. It's just so fluid. And right? I remember, like, it was, it was like you get 20 seconds to get as many reps as you could. Yep, and I got half of a rep, and Dave did like 20 like yep. and it was easy like it and it was 100 it's a 750 pound tire just about yeah nuts 
bananas. Yeah, he, like, when he was really competing at the world level, I mean, he was the technician. That was one of his nicknames. Like, he broke every event down to the nitty-gritty. And not even just events, but, like, when I trained with him in his garage, like, every little lift. Yeah. Like, nothing but technique to the to the last minute, and it really played a factor. Like, I grew yeah. so much training with him. Right. Curry says all winning edges, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I remember, I even looked back and I forgot what game that was. It wasn't televised, it was on the radio. And um, my uncle like saved it and replayed it for me. And they, they mentioned me, I think it was against Olaf or Gustavus. Like, yep, there's like number 73, Euless Payne. And, and like, yeah, I don't, it, it's very clear he does more than just lifting in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Tying that back into Caruso and the whole UST program, one I want to ask like why, what, what drew you to Minnesota? Like what brought you here? Um, mm-hmm. What was that process? And then what was your football experience like? And how did how has that affected your strongman career now? So it's so funny with St. Thomas. How uh, if you would have asked like eighteen year old Eulis in October, like you want to go play at St. Thomas? Like absolutely not. <laughs> I'm having Mankato and Duluth and the Badgers and the Gophers are all looking at me, and um, I remember I got a letter from St. Thomas, and I'd even open it. I actually just tossed it right in the garbage. My dad saw it later that day and pulled it out, and he's like, "Hey, see, so just toss this out." Um, I'm like, "Yeah, what about it? I never even heard of that school, so why should I care?" And he's like, hey, you know, I actually used to play these guys back in college, and um, I heard they pretty decent academic school. So you should just give them a shot. I'm like, sure, fine, they'll shut you up. <laughs> and um, I Google them, and I'm like, oh, this school is actually pretty cool. I'm like, oh, this school actually has a pretty dominant football team. Um, so I give them, I give, send them an email, and I actually send them uh, my highlight tape. And I kid you not, not even a week later, Coach K is at my school. <laughs> uh, it was I say thing that day. He was looking at there were three of us um, that they were recruiting, and my two other guy buddies who got called. They both said we were all actually like just in the locker room hanging out, and they called us to the office. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go check it out. Like I'm down for another co- college coach coming to see me. And then they're both like, "Nah, we're not gonna, we're not gonna deal with that." A, I heard that's a D three school, but so I go and Coach K is just ecstatic to meet me, <laughs> and um, so I'm like, "Okay, like cool, like it's just it's cool to see the schools this this into me." So my my kind of run of like visiting schools it started with um, Madison, where I did an overnight, and then Mankato, where I did an overnight, where they offered me just a full ride scholarship right there. Um, and then I'm thinking like, oh, like that, that was, it was just a great night, great experience. So I'm, I'm already thinking like, I'm going to commit to Mankato, mm-hmm. but I have St. Thomas scheduled, uh, at the end of January. So I did three weekends in a row. I'm like, I guess I'll still go give St. Thomas a tour. Cause I said I was going and it was an unreal experience. Um, before, like after just meeting Caruso, I knew I'm like, this actually is the school I want to be at mm. the environment, the atmosphere, the, the school itself. I like. Something my gut tells me this is where I belong, yeah. um, and I'm, I was lucky because I could not have been more right. Um, the experience at St. Thomas was pretty unreal, um, just because Caruso not only seemed to have, to have a lot of values that my own high school coach had, um, but taught me other ones as well. That has been a staple in my own life and my own training, which now I've been blessed to 
kind of share with the younger generations. So I think just as, and then same thing, being at St. Thomas, being connected with Oslin, who was also a Tommy, um, just growing, growing as myself as a person and an athlete right there, just shows that it was, it was all connected. Yeah. That start, that start kind of gives me chills because I had done a very similar thing where I was pretty committed to going to St. John's and just, yep. if anybody wants to be sold on something, yeah. you sit in the office with Caruso yep. and it's, it's over. And like that, yeah. you're talking about that gut feeling is like, you leave that room and you know, like, yeah. it's totally changed and this is where you want to go. And Absolutely. Yeah, it's the same yeah. exact experience. Yep. Yeah. Same experience for me. I mean, when I had, when I visited here, it was just, it was that same thing. Like, I remember I spoke with you, I spoke with Josh Corbin in the locker yep. room and I was like, these guys are me, but like in four years, the guy right. I hope to be like, and I, I, yeah, it was the same way, man. Mm-hmm. Like, we're in, and it's kind of it's crazy to see too the impact that Caruso's had, on kind of living his own life and his own passion. Because now we're kind of bringing that. We all are. I mean, like mm-hmm. our huge group of friends, all the kids that you graduated with. Like everyone's kind of bringing that now out into the world, and it's really something to see. Like how much of an impact he's really starting to have on the greater St. Paul community, for sure. community. Yeah, for me, that yeah, like you said, just being able to start with one person and I, I feel like the biggest thing is we're able to spread what like kind of the world needs to hear from Caruso because not yes, everybody's not able everyone. to sit in the, the their yeah. room and it's different when you, when you sit in that room and you get to experience it again that was the biggest thing when I came back as a St. Thomas strength coach is that first meeting when I sat yeah. back in there and I was like wow like it's just walking in that room and feeling that like I was oh like, yeah I miss this and this yeah. is the feeling that I want to be able to spread to everybody and I think that's a big thing is how many people can take that message and spread it, even if it's just a little bit, to the rest of the world? And hopefully, everybody can just get a little taste of that in some way. Of yeah. this is kind of the right path yeah. to live your life, right? Hundred percent. Like I, I mean, I, I've even had days like on competition days now, where, like, as part of my meditation, like I will envision I'm in the locker room, <laughs> like I'm here. Like there, there's plenty of times in life and in training or competition, like. I could really go for a Caruso like kind of talk <laughs> yeah. right now. Um, even like I've had some with, like where I'm like and just hearing like Coach K's voice and like some of those things that like you just they'll carry over for the rest of your life. Yeah, <laughs> there's no doubt about it. So you mentioned meditation. Is that something that you're uh, big into for your training? Yes, um, because with strength, I believe especially the at the higher level you go, the mindset is is more and more of a key point. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether that means bringing the mind at ease, getting it in the right mind, getting in the right place, um, to do these certain weights, to do these certain lifts, or the competitions, like you need to take your mind to a very special place. Yep. Um, I know even Coach Russo has, has brought things like that up before with football, and I've have learned to have to take that to the, even the next level with with competition. And what's what's your process going about that like how do you go about meditating do you have multiple ways is it the same time same way every time do you do it every day what's your process there so yeah few I just have where I just need to put my mind in complete ease because there's 5,000 things going in my mind Um, I try to focus on just keeping a nice steady calm breath I'll even just you know check my pulse to make sure it's in the right place but then my mind my meditation for like training or competition um, I'll always just be sitting like in a chair like this you know, I'll close my eyes and I envision first like the whole entire room goes dark. Mm-hmm. And then I envision just an outline of my entire body that surrounds me and kind of blocks me off from any noise. 
on the outside. So I end up kind of just, it's this numb, out-of-body experience I feel. And I'll be in that state of mind until I know it's the right time to either like go out there and perform the lift or, or if it's in training and it's time to go do my set and I need, I need to be in that right mindset. And, um, it's, it's going to, the way I describe it, it's going to a peaceful, dark place. Mm -hmm. Um, because when, once I get in that mindset, nothing else around me is a factor until I've completed that lift. Yep. And that, that's, I love that you say that because we, we end every session with all of the football guys of we, we spend 10, 15 minutes meditating and that's awesome. going through the guided thing. And that's one of the biggest things that I'm trying to help them do is like train themselves to create that space in their mind. So yep. when it gets to that moment, they're able to call upon it. Like they've been there before. Mm-hmm. And when that moment, there's 30,000 people screaming in your ear and there's so many things going on. Like bring yourself back to that moment. Yep. How are you in that mindset? And you just do your responsibility, you just do your job, and you do what you've been trained to do rather than... Mm. I think that's one of the biggest things in the games. I don't think it's clutch players making huge strides into what they have been doing. I think it's them doing what they have been doing and everybody else dropping down because of the pressure that's been put on them. And I think if we're able to mitigate that with a lot of players and a lot of athletes, I think it's a big deal. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And is this something that you do like daily or is it how, how like... I'm su- I geek out the, about the, the peaceful dark place. I don't go to daily because yep. it's only for like I ca- it started at my my competition uh, in September, mm-hmm. um, training for nationals. Um, and it actually was from uh, a book I started to read um, by Tim Grover, uh, Relentless. But that's where I learned. Like he brought up that yeah, dark place. I'm sure. I'm sure yeah. you probably guys have heard of that book. Um, he brings up that kind of like that. That meditation where every, every you black yourself off from everything, yep. and I remember I was literally reading that in the hotel before the night of competition. I'm like, let's give that a shot. <laughs> um, the night before. The night before. <laughs> I'm like, let's give that a shot. And so I tried that, and I probably had one of the, at the time, probably one of the better competitions of my career. I mean, every event was a PR. Um, so I'm like, okay, like, you know, I think that's going to work. But also at the time I knew it's like, I can't do that for every single lift. Cause one, it's the mindset's different for all of that. But there have been times with a few really big lifts in training, um, or for my competitions, um, where that has been incredibly helpful for me. Yeah. And it's something I, I, I think it's so interesting. Uh, I was listening to a podcast about basically if you ask any sports coach, what the balance between physical and mental um, like what makes a successful athlete to break up between physical and mental, they'll all tell you at minimum, it's like 70% mental, 30% physical. Like yep. they'll all tell you that. And then your next follow-up question is what are you doing to train that? Mm-hmm. And all of them be like, they, they don't do anything. And yeah. It's all physical. And this is one thing that's huge for me is I think a lot of athletes are starting to max out on what they can do physically. Mm-hmm. And like, what's going to make the difference is how are you training yourself mentally? And I think there's a ton of ways to go about that, but doing something yeah, do something. That realm, yeah, it, it's huge because I think a lot of people don't, and it's yeah. you're, you're peaking in this physical realm when you're meeting that genetic limit of where you can go here. How are you going to break that next step to become the next great step of your athletic career? And I, I think a lot of people are down here in the genetic potential potential as a, a mental athlete. Mm-hmm. And if you just spend a little bit of time, you can make that huge jump. Incredible, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's and it's something I try to preach to my younger athletes I train. Uh, the high school ones where it's like, yeah, if you can get that right state of mind at a younger age, like it'll, it'll give you such a winning edge over everyone else. 
Um, and just like those are things that I learned were playing under Caruso. Um, to where now even like part of my training with with my clients or mostly my kids and my athletes, like I'll make the physical part of training a bit of mental. Yeah. Like to where it's like, look, you have to be in the right state of mind or you are going to fail this. Right, and what do you mean? Like what does that look like? Um, so examples, I'm, I'm a big fan of volume. And when I say volume, I mean like not like 20, yeah. like 30 to 50 reps. Like sickening. sickening. Yeah, like yeah. sickening. Yeah. Like, um, and it's mostly like with machines. So like, like uh. it takes the injury issue out of there. Um, but example, like we have a lot of hammer strengths, so like the old school plate loaded machines. So we have like shoulder press, leg press, leg extension. Like, all right, you're going to do this for 50 reps. Yeah. Um, and it's a weight I know you can do, but your body's not going to want to do it. Mm -hmm. It's going to be like, like the first half you'll blow away, but mm -hmm. the second half it's going to be just to see how much you want to do it. Yeah. Everything's going to go numb. You're going to feel like you can't do it, but your body's still going to keep moving and you have to do it until you're done with all the reps. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is an interesting thing that I haven't done enough research on, but I, I'm curious to see the, the relationship between like doing and doing something like that because it's maybe not the most beneficial thing for your sport, but it does help you kind of seem, it seems to help me smash through mental. Exactly. Barriers. And that's the whole purpose of it. Right. It's, and I do use, but by the end of the workout, they've right. already done the physical work they need. Yeah. This is now to kind of see what, like what, like how much do you really yeah. want this? How much dog do you have in you? Exactly. Right. How much fight? And, and so far I've been, all these kids have been proven to me that they can, they want it, mm -hmm. you know, because just by doing stuff like that, I'll know, I don't have to ask like how bad do you want to, qualify for state next year how bad do you want to make the playoffs like you'll prove you'll show it to me just by doing this alone yeah that, because that, like the actions speak way louder than way louder. You, like they want to do it like yeah. either they're going to show you they want it or it's yep. not going to happen absolutely yeah for sure i think this is where we can transition into a little bit of our core questions a little bit of everybody sees ulyss as this giant monster human being um the successful football player the successful strong man the person that's leading all these young people in their lives to become better strength athletes to just become better humans um what we like to touch on here is like a little bit of the struggles that it took to get there mm -hmm. um to where maybe you were in a dark place and something that you had to fight through and just showing people that everybody that is successful has to go through there there's no such thing as this overnight success you were never yeah. nobody's born as this monster uh, just super successful person. There was a process to get there and just diving a little bit into your story of What were your valleys that you had to go through to get there? Um, so I've been even dating back to like high school um, and just how how much training was an emphasis in my life um, Like I didn't have all I didn't have the most friends in high school because you know, I didn't want to go hang out after school I didn't want to hang out on weekend nights. Like I was at the gym. Like I remember senior year, it's prom night, and uh, my girlfriend at the time was incredibly pissed because like I can't go. It's it's squat night. I can't <laughs> I I can't afford to miss that. I know you know I need to hit my I need to hit my training, um, and even going into what strongman, you know, it's just like a lot of individual sports. Like you can have a whole team. That's there to support you, but in the end, like it is you, mm -hmm. it is you. I've had a lot, there's a lot of late and lonely nights where you know the gym's closed, everyone's gone home with their families, and and I got to be in there to hit my deadlifts, to hit my log and bench. Um, so while it is the success is amazing and it feels great, it, it in the end is a very lonely path. 
um, even with with the crew of guys, because in the end, all all of your performance is is on you. Yeah. Um, so that that the nice emphasis was like with football, where you had a team, you had brothers. Um, but even then, like after football training, it's like, all right, now I got to go do my training, or I got to go to Edina and do that training. Um, so a lot of it's a lot of time to yourself. Yep. Um, which like you know, most of the time I enjoy my my alone time. But there are there have been plenty of times where uh, that lonely feeling isn't great. Hmm. Now, this is I want to tap into this a little bit because it's something that's been bugging me a little bit, or not bugging me, but it's just a question I've had. Um, the process of becoming the best in the world at something, uh, and you talk about that lonely feeling and the the feeling of doing something by yourself. Is there, is there really, and this is my question that I've been trying to like write, I've been really trying to work through this, is, is there really a way around that? Is it like, and this is where I look back on my playing career is, there's things that right now I think about that I wanna, I would have wanted to do differently. Communication with people, um, just being able to like, like you said, not be lonely, do your own thing all the time and be more with people and more with your teammates and that type of thing. But then I look back on it, it's like, if I had done those things, would I have been the same player? Yeah. Would you have been the same thing? And my biggest thing is I see players that are willing to do whatever, willing to do whatever. They're mm-hmm. willing to run through a brick wall if you tell them to run through a brick wall. Um, but trying to find a way to bridge, they can become the best possible player. They can become the best in the world at what they do without all of the sacrifices on the end of to where they look back and it, they mm-hmm. question, was it worth it? Yeah, I find I find it so difficult because even seeing like you know world champions and and what what they've had to do to get to it, mm-hmm. I feel like part of it's the mindset. Mm-hmm. So even now, um, I still have plenty of lonely nights where I have to train by myself. And what I try to tell myself is, you know, while no one's here and it's just you, like you do have, you do have people behind you, whether yeah. you think it's a team or not. Like there are people. The people who want you to succeed or are willing to to do what they can to help you, even if that doesn't mean that they're right there with you, kind of knowing that in the end, when I'm done with when I'm done with that training and I leave the gym by myself, I know I'm like, I have them behind me. It was for almost a greater purpose. Yes. Yeah, and that 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 was one way that I was trying to. That's what I I want to. Yeah, that's just something I wanted to kind of get at. It's like what, like what is driving you to do this? Like you don't have to try and become the strongest man in the world. You don't have to try and win Moss wrestling. You don't have to try and be a four year starter at the UST football team. Like what you don't have to have these lonely lights. Like mm-hmm. you can choose to live the life you want to live. Absolutely. So, but so like why? What is cho- what's driving you? Part of it I feel like and most people have said anyone who does like the stuff that that we do like a strong man we have a couple screws loose um no it's been it's been so interesting that that drive to want to compete and and win um and do do the utmost to your abilities um i feel like that on this earth like my body has the capabilities to do things most humans can't and i want to test that to the utmost limit uh, and luckily enough that there's a way to compete and prove that uh, amongst your your fellow men um, and just the drive to do that, you know, like to think like I want to be the strongest human on this planet. Even if it's for a day, mm-hmm. you can be the strongest human on this planet. Mm-hmm. And that drive, I mean, has kept me up at night. 
Um, and I have definitely thought about those. Like there has been some days or going through some injuries where it's like, man, how about I just don't do this? You know, how about I just, I just go work a nine to five job yeah. and, and go see my, like hang out with my buddies at the bar. And I've thought about that. Even like my, my, my parents have brought that up and I'm like, you know, I don't think I could do that for even like a day. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's that one thing I really, I really love that you said it is you were given the talents you were like given this body mm-hmm. to do something greater with given and a gift. you're given this gift yes. and if you don't attack it and you're not really pursuing it like it, what am i doing what are you doing you yeah. know my ancestors have right. given me like this body yeah and i feel like one it would be a disservice to me but a disservice to them and what they've done um, to not use this gift. Well, and I think even just a, a disservice to the world and the people around you is you were given this gift to, for a bigger reason than just lift a bunch of heavy weight, but to inspire people and to mm-hmm. push people farther in their life. And the way you do that is by being bigger all, than life. All you can be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's, that was an awesome answer, Ulysses. That we got cut that, clipped that. That's, that's a, I freaking love the, the process of that because that's something... I think it's obvious like people see you and you're, you're big and like that people are like, well, he was given that talent. But I think a lot of people are given talents that they, they don't pursue because it, it's hard for them to pursue, mm-hmm. uh, whether it be some, some skill set that they have, musician, artist, uh, just super smart. And maybe it's not as obvious as the physical presence that you present, right. but... <laughs> Which makes you quite fun to look at. Yeah. Compete. No, I've been, I've been yeah. told like at my competition in March, like one of the guys who competed, he's like, yo, like... I knew you were pretty good when you walked in. He's like, you walked in the room and you just had a presence. Yeah. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, that's definitely a real thing. Like you, the fact that you're trying to live out your kind of like, it's like a calling, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, then, and the other thing I said this about Austin too, like him and him living out his calling, like you living out your calling, enables all of the rest of us to like further our own calling. Like, Absolutely. You know, I studied something I hated in college because I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm working a job right now. I don't really love it. I, I don't at all love it, <laughs> but I'm doing it. And I'm, I'm just doing these, doing the podcast. I'm doing a lot of informational interviews and trying to find my next thing in life. Now, Absolutely. Now that football's done. Right. And, and so it's, and it's, but like being around guys like yourselves, like it just, it just, it shows me that I owe it to the world, like to live mm. like you guys are living. Because right, it, it drives means, you. Yes, yeah. So, it's it's really it's awesome. It's awesome. The impact you have is far beyond whatever you think. I appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So now that we're we're kind of the the Ulysses that we are. Yeah. The, 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 yeah. This presence, this king, this this beast of a human. What are kind of like your, your your daily mindsets of when you wake up in the morning? Like, how do you go about your day, and, and what's dude, really your like why for living out that day? And dude, please also just in addition to like your yeah, we'll go over go over the why. Yeah, I'll ask my question after. I'm gonna write it down so I remember. Um, so some things I think about, you know, like right when I wake up, um, basically is like what impact are you gonna have on today. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the motto that, that I, I teach to all my kids, all my clients, um, with, with pain train training is throughout your day, you have to work hard, you have to be humble. And at the end of the day, you just have to be great. Mm-hmm. And no matter what it is you're doing, 
Um, so those are the three things I tell myself when I wake up. And then before I go to bed, I ask myself, like, did you work hard today? Were you humble with people today? And then how did you be great today? I love that. What's your, what's your standard of doing that? Because this is something, this is another thought process I've been arguing with is um, the, the balance between the ego and what drives you and what pushes you to become that great person mm. and the balance between realizing you're not who you need to be yet and you need to be humble with people. What's your balance there? So like with the work hard, as I tell all my clients, um, as long as you give it, the best effort you can like you're working hard um and this is something i kind of learned while being at st thomas like no matter what it is you know even if it's at your job and your job is just to like put stamps on paper you better be putting stamps with some effort every single time um as you're doing it because one just like you said if you see someone giving their best effort no matter what it is like you're gonna be motivated by it um so when the humble part, humble is huge for me. I've always been told as a kid um, to be humble. There's one thing that always irks me, and I see this a lot in the strength community, um, and even a little bit with football, just people with such big egos. Um, and I, th- I think ego, like, it's while it's good, you want to have that confidence. If your ego is driven by just bringing people down, you're not making the world a better place. Um, or even like your ego is just like, oh, well, I'm just better than you. Well, what does that do to help anybody? Mm-hmm. Does that even, do you even feel better about yourself by doing that? And if you do, like something happened to you in the past that is causing that. Um, and by being humble, it's just by simply, you know, be kind. You know, one of, one of my dearest friends is a Buddhist. And when he told me that, I was like, so what's like your main philosophy? Really, just don't be like a dick to anybody. <laughs> you know, be really kind. Yeah. Um, and it kind of stems from that, where it's like, you know, no matter what you do, or no matter how how good or how successful you get, um, you have to show humility towards others, um, because even just that act of humility, you will be amazed at the the impact that makes on somebody. We talk about that all the time. It's just like you you don't realize when you talk to people and just the small things that you do with people that how big of an impact that can have on their life. Oh yeah. The small like small little thing you said, the small little thing you did, that small mm-hmm. little gesture can completely change how that person's doing that day and that day can completely change how they're living their life. Hundred percent. It, it it blows my mind every time like hearing these stories of what triggered somebody to be successful. Mm-hmm. It's never any big, huge like thing. It was like somebody sent them a text, somebody said this, somebody inspired them to do something. And I love that you said that because it's, it's true. Yep. Absolutely. And even I've, I've seen it with some of the great athletes I've had the the honor of training with and working with you. Like when I met Dave, I met this multiple time world's strongest man competitor. This man was top three in the world. Um, and he was just the most down to earth, humble man I've ever met. Um, same with I've had the pleasure of training with four-time World's Strongest Man champion Brian Shaw. Thinking like, here's this giant monster man who has all the success behind his name. And just the most humble. When I came to visit, he was we were both training for contests. But he was all about helping me get ready for my contest. And I'm like, this guy did not have to do this mm-hmm. out of his day. He, so, I've heard that so many times about him. Yeah. Too. So it's just hearing, day. yeah, just how incredibly humble these people who who have brought themselves to the top can be it's like so then what's stopping you 
from simply just just being honest and kind to other people throughout your day. And do you have a, like almost a daily reminder? Is there somewhere like where you feel like you're off path that brings you back to like, all right, like I'm, I'm getting a little too hyped up in myself, a little bit too hyped up in what I'm doing. How can I bring it back to people? Is there something that really... Um, not really. I think about it. Like I have it on my phone okay. to pull it up. Just that saying, yep. um, in my, in my room, I have it like, so I wake up and boom, it's, it's right, right there. there. Yep. yep. Um, but I do have to like that has, that motto has to be in my mind throughout the day. Cause you know, there's a, you're always going to have bad days. Well, and especially <laughs> when you're, you're pushing to be great. Like you yep. have that, you have to stay on that razor edge, like balance of mm-hmm. you're pushing to be great and you're staying on that humble line of, Right. You know, like it, it's a very, I'm very big into the mindset of super successful and super like great humans and how they balance that process of they need to push every single day to become better. They need to push like when you're becoming better, you're, you're pushing to beat somebody. You know, right. Like that's exactly. You're pushing yeah. To be somebody you're pushing to become higher in your status in the world and what you do. But you got to do that while bringing other people up. Exactly. And, and that can be incredibly between. difficult at yeah. times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, no, but it's, it's, like you said, you have to find that balance and that, that comes with experience. Um, mm-hmm. And you just, like, you just have to remind yourself every day. So the be great portion um, stumbles with, or goes back to Caruso. Um, you know, he always talked about being great or like the enemy of good yep. is great. Um, and that was also while training with Shaw, that that's one of his main models is be great. And actually seeing him train in person, I got to understand that a bit more. Like, in what way? So like the when we first got there, um, when I showed up to his facility to train, I mean the amount of time this guy took into warming himself up and stretching, uh, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, oh, like is it really that necessary? Um, and he would, he had just got back from. I think it was world's strongest man. He was getting ready for an Arnold competition. Um, but like the amount of effort that he put in just to his warm up alone was like, oh, like maybe it is that necessary. <laughs> um, and then, you know, we went on the log press and then all the accessories were so dynamic, but each one had such a specific detail to increasing his upper body strength, his log press strength. And I'm like, this is what it takes to be great. Like this is exactly what it takes, and he's living proof of that. Mm-hmm. That that's uh, I love how you bring up Shaw because I've listened to like five podcasts now of people saying the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. just what makes him the most the best, like, the most ridiculous level mm-hmm. is the most ridiculous preparation. Yep. Um, just talk, like you mentioned that pre- the warm up. I love how you said that because I just listened to a podcast about. Talking about his one his warm up and then his recovery sessions of yes. how much time and money he spends into right. uh, PT and massage and all of those things and yep. like, um, it opened I, I can't remember what strongman I was listening to talk about this but he was saying like here I went into Over. this thinking um, saying I'm not sure if this is required and I watched him and I'm like it's 100 percent required like if I want to take my game to the next level this is what I have to do 100 percent you have to you have to it's all those factors outside of what you do in training that's going to make the difference right so you have to do the physio work you have to do um the hot tubs the cold tubs the massage work the chiropractor yeah and it goes back to like the the two hours that you get the train that's the fun time that's like the sexy time yep basically and it's the other 22 hours what are you doing with that to take that next level and right that's why 
preach with my athletes all the time. It's like, when you come in here, this is when you guys get to release that energy and like, yes, like the stuff is hard, but like, man, you, you guys are gonna remember this stuff. You get to train with your brothers. You get to do mm. a ton of fun stuff. What about those other 22 hours when you get to make a decision of, are you gonna eat that meal or not? Are you yep. gonna go to bed at that time or not? And those type of things that are really tough. Mm-hmm. Like those are the tough decisions. Those are, that's where you grow mentally and yep. as a person. That's exactly, you just hit the nail on the head and that's what I still have to tell myself. Um, that's what I tell all my athletes I train. You know, it's like, you can, you'll do plenty of work in here, but it's, yeah, like you just said, what do you do in those other 22, um, 21 hours in your day where like what you do there is going to decide how you're going to perform always. Always. Yeah. I mean, I think I came to that realization a little late. Like I remember, so Austin writes all my programming right now and I hit a, (laughs) I deadlifted 500. Nice. And then I uh, hit a PR, 50-pound PR in front squat. Yeah. And I lost like 30, 35 pounds. Yep. The biggest difference is eating and sleeping. It's like, what? That was what was holding me back my whole class football I have to repeat that for a lot of people. Yeah. Listen to this, that like eating and sleeping yeah. helped you. What? Yeah. 50-pound <laughs> 50, 50 PR in front squat mm-hmm. in 12 weeks. Right? Is it, it yeah. 12 weeks? Yeah, and it really, like, like like you said, it has nothing to do with what you do. It has nothing to do no. with training. Because no. I have always trained my ass off. Yep. Right? Yeah, you as can. Long, you can always long, train your ass off. And as long as you have a semi-smart program that is pushing you in the right direction, it's mm. progressive overload, it's what most most coaches have figured out, mm. then it's what are you doing outside of that to yep. push you forward on that. Oh, absolutely. Any AM clients I have, like right now in the summer, I train a lot of kids in the morning. So right when they show up at 7, 8 a.m., the first thing, before they even start warming up, I'll ask is, what have you eaten today? Mm-hmm. It's and, the most frustrating. Oh, my God. I've turned kids down. Like, well, I haven't eaten today. Then get out. Because you, <laughs> you're not going to be able to perform. I know, you th- I know your 15, 16-year-old self thinks you can, but it's not going to go well. I promise you. Like, if you haven't eaten or you've only gotten two, three hours of sleep, like, this yeah. is going to be incredibly rough. And this is a, this is a tough thing with athletes is they're, they're, the reason they're good athletes for the most part is they're super, super compensators. They can adapt to anything, and they think anything they do is they're going to be able to get over. But Absolutely. If you're not taking care I of I missed yourself, the compensation I could do when I was 18 and 19. <laughs> yeah, and just be able to, like... <laughs> Do whatever you want and show up the next day and like, all right, I'm totally P- fine. I'm a PR on the bench today. And right? Be able to smoke. Oh, I've had that. I've had like, oh yeah, I was out. I was out all night. Um, and then I show up and still like deadlift 700 pounds <laughs> yeah. the next day. And like first day in the AM and I feel fine. Yeah. I can't do that anymore. I love, <laughs> I love that auto regulation though part of where you're sending these athletes home. One, I think that's important yeah. because it it allows you to set that tone of like. If you're not taking care of those other 22 hours, you're not even allowed. Yeah, to you here, because this awesome. isn't going to help you that it's much. If anything, now the chances of you getting hurt are just have just skyrocketed. So high. And this, <laughs> is, this is like, dude, off the fourth, I just had a lot of athletes come in. <laughs> oh, I bet. The weekend of the fourth. Oh, I tell them don't even come in this last four. Like, none of you, no. I mean, <laughs> it, and it, it's, it, to me, it's, it's super funny because we'll, we'll start the training session, and I'm like, you guys look like you, shit. You look like shit. Like, yep. you... you you wasted this whole weekend and then they'll start arguing. They're like, no, no, like, no, we, all we did was like, we just water skied and like three minutes into the workout, I'm like, water, water skied, huh? That's all we did this weekend. And then they'll just spill the beans. It's like, it's so obvious and how they took care of their bodies over the weekend and what they did. And 
just being able to, I love that you just send them home. Yeah. I, I think that's awesome of like, get out of here. Like if you're not taking care of that aspect of your life, this aspect has nothing to do with right, your exactly. progress. And then it's so fun in the other spectrum, especially with these high school kids where like they'll show up to training and be very excited to tell me like they got eight plus hours of sleep <laughs> or they'll say like, Oh, you know, like I feel really good today. Like, cause I ate, they'll, they'll tell me and show me like what they've eaten or I've even had some where like they like like you said they'll get that giant PR and like oh I guess it helped that I had like ten hours of sleep last night <laughs> yeah. yeah you think yeah. like yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so diving into this what are you really like when you get a person coming into you one one what clientele do you have and then two when they come into you what are your philosophies to get them to their goal that they bring up to you like how, how do you go about that whole programming process so my main clientele um are mostly like young athletes um and not, not even non-athletes i train a few non-athletes um, kids who athletes live. in uh like what sports is it all sports or yeah all okay. sports so let's say right now i have um football i have hockey i have a swimmer power lifters wrestler we really emphasize with wrestling training um, soccer players, um, so like those those athletes, um, so kids about thirteen to eighteen, um, and two. I also train two college wrestlers, mm. um, and then I kind of go in the next spectrum for older older adults, um, fifty to sixty plus. I've learned through my years of training through multi, at different facilities that those are kind of the two groups that I worked best with for in person one on one, and then I do do a lot of programming for. Uh, for members at the gym, um, I mean, I can't, I can't even name up how many people I actually just write programs for. But there's times I'm at the gym and like everyone who's in there, I write programs for all of them. So, <laughs> yeah, the whole gym is you. yeah, the whole gym is like is is off my program. Um, and then those will be like you know the younger adults, um, and then a few like power lifters and strongman competitors. Mm -hmm. So I do that more, um, not like not in person, online or so. Yep, and then. So again, they come into you with this goal. What's your like? How do you break it down to get them to get that goal? Like, what what's your process of programming and like involving them into like we're starting here. This is how we're gonna get there. Right. So with all of them, I'll sit them down and first just get to know basically their daily life. I'm like, so tell me, tell me when you what your day is like from waking up to going to bed because mm -hmm. everyone's is going to be different. Mm -hmm. um, whether it's kid from either from just from kids to older adults, because then I can get an idea. I'm like, okay, how much energy are you spending throughout your day? What are the, like, the good and bad habits you probably have? Um, and then basically, like, how is this training going to affect your daily life? Because one thing, and I tell a lot of young trainers who come to me, because, you know, everyone wants to train athletes. Well, reality is you're not going to train athletes all the time, yeah. for most of the part. And I even tell them, like, I love training the the 60, 70 year old grandmas. Cause you know what? They're going to work there at twice they as do. hard yeah. as most of the athletes. That well, come. the athlete, athletes there because they know they need to be there or they're going to get passed up. Right. If you, if you get somebody that doesn't have that, they're there because they want to get, yep. you know, like they want to take some step forward in life. Exactly. Um, so then kind of finding out what time they like to train, what time they can train with like an AM client, their training will probably be a little different than someone who's coming in after an eight hour day. Mm -hmm. Um, so I kind of I kind of make it work to where it works their schedule. Where I'm like, this is gonna benefit your everyday life, no matter what. Um, and then once I figure that out, then I'll see. All right, what do you need to work? What What would you like to work on? And then once I get to know that, then I take them out to the to the weight room, and then I'll find out what they actually need to work on. Yep. <laughs> and then 
programming wise, do you have a, a system of you want to hit these movement patterns and that's your system? Is there you're going to run them through this program to get their strength levels up to a certain point? Like what what's kind of your your process of going about that? How do you program for each person? So I, I like to make that program as specific to that person as I can, mm-hmm. um, which I just enjoy the most because that's what I like. It does mean it takes more time yep. to make them. Um, but depending on the client, um, just some examples, like I love conjugate training from yep. like the West Side. I actually like that for myself, like bands, chains. Um, uh, for a lot of my younger athletes, I do enjoy triphasic training from Caldeets, um, who I've had the pleasure of training with before. Um, some, I will take some like good strength, strength building programs, like for deadlifts, for squats, um, and implement them, or either kind of make my twist with them that I feel like will work with that person specifically, um, just to hit their weaknesses or, or hit, hit the issues that they seem to face. Um, so I just, I try to make each individual program to each client as specific as I can to them. Yep. And then with these clients, what's like, what's like the number one thing that you're seeing recently or with your clientele that they're kind of missing when they come to you, either if they have been training, like what's your number one weakness? That mobility. Mobility. Mobility okay. is huge. In the hips and... In the hips and the shoulders. Like I have, I have a swimmer. Um, he's young. Like he's, he's going, he's just going into high school, but this kid is like an Olympic hopeful swimmer um, and not really done much lifting. And when I think swimmers, I think very like loose, explosive muscles. And man, this kid was so tight. He was so immobile. And I couldn't believe, I mean, I'm doing the basic stuff that I can do behind my back. And this kid can't even get half of that. Um, so I'm like, yeah, like this, like the first month, we're just working on this, dude. We're not going to, awesome. we're not going to worry about the lifting Any portion. That, we yeah. just got to get you, <laughs> we got to get you able to touch your toes, bro. <laughs> and, and what's your, what's your process to attack that then? Um, relentless stretching okay. to where like, it's get, like the stretching alone is going to feel like a workout. A workout. Yep. Yep. Do you, do you do any body tempering? Do you guys have the uh, that stuff in Riverwork, River City Ironworks? Um, not to. We have a guy who who's in town who does a lot of body tempering work. Mm-hmm. Um, he works on me a lot. Gary, his name is Gary from Massage Concepts. He does all of that work. Um, he works with a lot of the athletes in town. Um, I myself just to get a little bit extra work in. I bought a massage gun. You okay. bought one of those? Yeah. Yeah, I got, where's my backpack? It's somewhere here, but I I got the... Is it with you? Yeah. Yeah, I got the Hypervolt. Um, so that's been incredibly helpful for me and for my clients. So it's like something I add to my training mm-hmm. with my one-on-one clients. Like if you're going to train with me, we're going to hit you with it before the workout and we're going to hit you with it after the workout. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed that's made incredible strides with, mm-hmm. with injury prevention, with mobility. Yeah. Right, just like just like with Brian Shaw, I mean, you're investing in the future. Yeah, you have to. It's yeah. been a huge investment, and it's been paying off in dividends. And then even like, like marketing wise, like I kind of show as like, yeah. yeah, like you know, like if you come here, you're gonna get more than just a workout. Like mm-hmm. we're gonna treat you like a five star customer. Yeah, and you get all of it. <laughs> yep. Um, let's dive into the business realm then a little bit of that. Uh, so you were an exercise science major, were you health promotions? Health promotions. Health promotions. So you had a couple of business classes. Yep. There. Okay. What has been like? When you decided to go full go into opening up your business, what's been like the biggest lessons that you've learned from all this? And communication is key. Okay. Um, you need to know, especially in this field where it's a service to other people. Yep. You need to know to, to, how to talk to people, how to communicate, how to um, basically like 
rip apart a conversation. Uh, I've worked with a lot of I've worked with a lot of trainers over the years. I've worked with some who are who are great with people. I've worked with some who are not great with people, and kind of seen the the yes and no's of how to work it, um, and then kind of taking my own twist to it to see like, kind of how to read a person just from meeting them. Um, I forget the I think the way my father told you know there's IQ, and then there's EQ your emotional potent and it's kind of how you can read a room how you can talk to someone who you've never met, but you can already kind of, mm-hmm. you can grow that connection just off of a few sentences. Yep. Um, when an, a person comes in, just like even slightly interested in training, right then in that moment, I have to dissect and use my EQ to figure out, okay, how am I gonna get this person to relate and have it to like, to show them that this is exactly what they were, they were looking for. Yeah. Even if it might've not been at the beginning, um, I haven't really run into that yet, but at least where I'm at now, but like you need to be able to figure out like, Hey, like this, you want this person to completely understand you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In, in five minutes. <laughs> yeah. And as a, as a coach in so many regards, cause when you're a business owner, so you need to communicate, it's almost sell. And yep. You do. You do need to be a salesman, yeah. which I was never a fan of. Um, but I've learned to kind of, I learned to kind of make it my own way. Yeah, and exactly. And selling yourself as a brand and as, as a person, as you list, not as you're trying to take their money. I think, right. I think that's big. That's, Absolutely. Because that, I, I was the same way as I hated being like, here's a product, like buy from me. Yep. But I love being, here's who I am. Here's how I can help you. Yep. Come to me basically and trying to do that little bit of route so it's less almost sleazy of like right you just kinda... you feel less sleazy about yeah. it you know and i and i've been lucky enough now after i've worked at multiple places and done their process and now i have had the power to do it my own way where i can make my own prices i can do it how i want where you know like in training and in, in reality like it's a um it's a higher level service like it's normally something not everyone can afford. So mm-hmm. I've worked ways to make it where it's where people can afford it. For people because there there's plenty of people who probably normally can't but need it more. Yep. So I've been able to make ways where people who normally can't can afford it and and then they strive from it. And business-wise then, what has your um, almost marketing been like? How do you get people to know who you are? Is it just through the strongman and through basically your brand of who you are as a lifter or how do you get people to really know? So funny enough, most of my, most of my marketing has like almost nothing to do with strongman. I mean, the, the name, uh, this was the name, name I was given through competing, um, pain train. That's how a lot of competitors know me. Um, it's a fun niche. Um, some people have seen it through that, but a lot of it has just been getting the word out and yep. getting notoriety. So like, that's what the shirts are for. Um, and on people, on people who get these, it's when they train with me for about at least a month. Like they've lasted like about a month. Yep. yep. Like here's your shirt. Like, and now you're part of team pain train. And that has got that. That's really soared with the kids. Great idea. Cause now it's, now it's okay. You're part of this group yeah. and this group and they all learn when they start. It's like, here, here are the values. Here's what you're going to work towards. That's not only going to benefit you in the gym, but in life. That's awesome. So now they hold on to that. They go to school wearing their shirts. Kids are wondering what's up with, yeah. with the giant guy in the picture. Yep. Um, and that's how it grows. And then it, it's as well as with, with a lot of my adult clients. Well, I think that's awesome. That's one of the biggest things I talk about all the time is like, people don't really come 
their biggest reason they don't they don't come to you to, for the strength training or any of that. They come to you to be a part of a community, mm-hmm. you know, like part of something bigger. They want to fulfill that kind of like community and something that's bigger than themselves in their life. And as a GM or as a business, you need to realize like that's what you're basically selling them on. Right, is the community and yourself and this is bigger than you. And then your what is the GM and how you can progress them in life. Absolutely, a hundred percent. And even like finding you know finding out their why. Yeah. Um, I think it's huge with with any gym owner or any like business owner where it's a service. Um, but especially as a, a trainer, as a coach, like you have you have to figure out their why. Because if they come in saying, "Oh, I want to get stronger and I want to lose weight," well, it's like, well, why? You know. So I've I've had where you know older adults were you know oh I, I'd like to get stronger and and get healthier so I can play with my grandchildren um, I've had so I can I can go for walks and hikes with my significant other uh, I've had that I want to become a better athlete for next season I've, I've had I want to get stronger and get more confidence because I'm sick and tired of being bullied you know so you you find out their why and then through the training I make them realize like that's great that that was your why and now you're gonna go past that you're gonna realize like what you were truly capable of and then that that why is just gonna be a very small factor you're gonna blossom into this amazing person that that absolutely gives me chills because it's it's one of the biggest things i see is a coach where they they can't communicate with their athlete and their way of communicating is they have a power position so their way of doing it is just yelling 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 yeah whereas if you take the time and realize like the reason that athlete isn't doing what you want them to do or how they want them to do it is because you aren't communicating with them in the right way that is making sense to them mm-hmm. and i think i think it needs to always come back to the coach and i think a lot of times the coach puts it on the athlete they say far too much yeah far. That, Absolutely. That, that athlete's lazy that athlete's this that athlete's that and i've seen so many times in my like young coaching career of that that athlete's not bad. Like right. you're you're a bad communicator as a coach, and you're mm-hmm. not getting what you can out of that athlete because you haven't taken the time to sit down and be like, that's not what motivates that athlete. Like right. even especially with football, like a lot of times it's not like being super good at football that motivates that athlete. That football that player likes football, but what's a bigger reason in their life that they like doing what they're doing and communicating with them and how can this help them progress that path in their life? You know, absolutely. Like I. I even tell clients now, it's like, you know, if you're you're coming because you just want some guy to yell at you, I won't lie, like, I'm probably not the guy for you. Like, I'm not a fan of just yelling at someone to do that weight or do these reps. Um, And like you said, the accountability, which I learned under Caruso, like, if if a client of mine isn't performing, I take 100% of the responsibility. Because I'm like, okay, what, what did I do where I failed that to you, where I have seen so many strength coaches where if their athlete misses a lift or doesn't perform like how they wanted the they'll just go well what did you do what did you do wrong like how come you missed that and it's like that is i think that's the worst possible approach one because you're going to make that person feel like absolute crap Mm -hmm. um and two it's like how can you as a coach not take any responsibility Mm -hmm. you know when when that's your job. Yeah, like that's your job. Your job was to like make sure they performed to a certain level and if they didn't to their liking, it's like then what what did you do wrong? And if you can't take that responsibility, then this yeah, probably isn't what you should be doing. In, in the biggest moments where this athlete is looking for a rock or a, yeah, or a guidance that they had just failed and they need somebody to trust and to 
put basically that failure on and you're putting it back on them. Yeah. Like that's just, it's horrible. And, and I've had, I've had clients where they've dealt with that. And, um, uh, yeah, so I tell them like, that's, that's not what, what I do here. Mm -hmm. I love that. Last couple questions. Um, what has been your biggest change in philosophy from like, maybe even just a couple years ago to now? Has there been anything that's been like, wow, I wish I would have known that earlier? Because that's, that's one of my biggest things. Like five years from now, I want to look at my training and like, yeah, that was good, but you're a dumbass compared to what you're doing right. now. You know? um, so the big thing, we, we mentioned it earlier, uh, like with Shaw, like all the little things. Like you said, what you do those 22 hours later, um, I think even me five years from now did not put that into account. I had like probably some kind of idea where it's like, all right, I need to make sure I get enough food for training, but it's so much more than that. So now, you know, I wake, I wake up, I do my stretching, I get my meals, I go do cryotherapy treatment, I do yeah. massage treatment, I do chiropractic treatment. Um, if I if I have a deadlift day, hey, I'm probably not going to be standing all day. Um, or like today I had a squat day, so I know I'm gonna have to get extra food in. I know I'm gonna have to take the massage gun like to my legs as I'm training my clients. How many uh, how many calories a day are you eating right now? Right now, thirty five to four thousand. Four thousand. Yep, on a little bit of a deficit, but like coming from my next competition in October, where it's it's a really heavy one, I'll be up it in up to about five to six thousand. And how how much does your like weight fluctuate during those time periods? It's tough because like right now. Um, I'm trying to drop to get up to about 360, which I haven't been for a while. The heaviest I've ever been was 420. Okay. Um, I'm trying to drop to 360, just do a little bit of uh, body composition work, but then work my way back up to like around like 370, 380. Okay. And now what are you eating? So well, I, I guess what are you eating right now while you're trying to cut? Um, it's, I, I like moderation, you know, while everyone's like, you know, some people are on this spectrum, like they have to eat, everything has to be like completely healthy and, yeah. and natural. And um, I tell people like, well, that's great. Unless you have a lot of money, it's can be, it can be difficult. And then it's the amount you need. Um, so I'm a fan of moderation, but I actually have right now um, a company called Midwest Meals. They make my meals. So I, or, I, I order, they make them and then package them, prepackaged meals to me. Awesome. Yeah, it's super convenient. They're in Eau Claire. Um, it's when I discovered them, I could not believe it because um, it was like exactly what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. So they'll send me about ten to twelve meals uh, a week, and then those will be like kind of they ship them right to the gym. Wow. Those that'll be what I eat while I'm there at the gym, and it helps when I'm at the gym like twelve hours a day. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> ready for you. Yep, it's but ready. then like you know I'll still go out and have a pizza on the weekend because yeah, yeah. you know you gotta enjoy your life too yeah, yeah, <laughs> um but yeah but it's it's mostly a lot of like my prepackaged meals yeah cool mm. very good i was curious all right so going forward we, we covered where you're at now and the past a little bit going forward what what does the future hold for you what's the next big step for you as pain and the training system and strong man and everything? yeah so so like i said I, I i've taken a little bit i took a little bit of hiatus from competing my last contest was in first week of march um, I decided to, to take a break just to give the body a rest. The body was getting pretty beat up. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, you know, focus on growing my business cause it, it is incredibly difficult, to, at the level that you need to train for a shaman contest, especially to, that you want that you're going to win. Um, your focus needs to be on that yeah. where it's tough to, to grow a business starting, starting up from nothing. Um, so throughout from March until even now, it's been focused on growing the business, which has been paying off um, immensely. 
to where now that I'm, I've got the, excuse me, got the itch to get back at competing, um, you know, grow, grow back towards that to hit, to hit new numbers and reach, basically reach like the next level. Mm -hmm. Um, so like some little goals, like this contest I got in October, it's, it's just two events. It's a max log press for one rep and a max axle deadlift from, I think it's about 18 inches for max weight it's those two events and if you have a high enough total you qualify for the world competition and uh, it's called static monsters and if you qualify it in high enough total you qualify for the world competition in australia oh that'd be awesome um, so, and those are two events like i enjoy yeah. um so like my goal is to hit like a 400 plus pound log press and then my goal for the deadlift is a little over a thousand <laughs> there we go 400 pound log press. yeah and those are two, like, just for those two events, like, my whole week of training will have to be based on getting those numbers up. Yep. <laughs> so, those are um, the goals coming up. In, like, 10 years, where where do you want to see this all go? Like, what's your, like, ultimate vision and goal with all this? For pain trained personal training to be, you know, more, oh, in the end, I'd love to own my own facility. Yep. Um, but I, I want pain trained personal training to be... A movement um, to where it it's not only going to help people grow with their overall health and their fitness in the gym, but it helps them improve as a human. Because um, I think the the world needs um, less mediocrity mm-hmm. in the world, um, and I think it needs a lot more kindness and greatness in it. And I'd like to make this a movement that it helps people grow into that. Awesome. You are. I appreciate it. I really appreciate that, buddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, like, in in the long run, like, that's that's what I'd, I'd like for it to become. Um, and I've, I've been blessed enough to have a support, support of friends, support of family that, that want to help me grow that. Um, and just, yeah, keep it, keep it going from there to where, you know, people from from across the country and, and even across the world, like know about pain train. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> a worldwide brand of, yep. this is where you go to become great. Exactly. And then while doing that, um, competing around the world, you know, I've had the pleasure of doing a few, uh, well, an international competition already. I was in Russia in September, <sighs> which was an unreal experience. Um, what? for what? Moss wrestling. That was that was the championship. That was the twenty eighteen world championship. I took second in that, and then I won the Arnold uh, Moss wrestling. Do, do you want to explain yeah, what the Moss wrestling is? A little oh, bit? I'd love to. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous. It's, it's so crazy. It's the basic way I can describe it is Russian stick pulling. <laughs> um, so it's similar to tug of war. It, it originated in Russia, so it's it's huge over there. So you have this this wooden stick. It's about this long. And you both sit down, there's a piece of wood, so just a simple, like, imagine a two-by-four right there. You put your feet, you know, they have barriers where you put your feet flat on it. One guy grabs the outside of the handles, like a reverse grip deadlift, one under, one over. The other guy gets his hands inside, one under, one over. You bring it, arms straight, you know, you're bent over. You're, I describe it, you're in one of the most awkward positions where you have to generate 100% of your strength and force. And you get the stick in the middle. There's a there's a ref that makes sure like your hands are set right in the right in between. He'll raise his hand to say go, and you just go as hard as you can to either get the stick out of the other person's hand or flip them over to your side of the board. Is that even more? Is it more advantageous to be in double in or? Double? I was interested because I was watching the video. I was yeah. 
what decides how, like who's so usually the ref decides is you like a coin toss because there's okay. a blue side and a red side yeah so it's completely by chance what you get and then people always ask like oh like what side do you like more and it's like well honestly i feel strong in both um but for some guys like it's that's a huge factor okay so like an example for the arnold um i use strat and this is lucky enough because i've had the experience now doing a lot of competitions um I learned going in, I was one of the guys to beat. So what I did to play tri- like mind games with everyone, I went on the outside grip for every single match I had mm. until the final round. <laughs> you went inside. Yeah, because everyone thought, well, he goes in, he goes outside. That's clearly his stronger grip. Personally, I think I'm stronger inside. <laughs> I love that. So and until the very, until the final round, then the guy, the ref's like, "All right, Ulysses, you get your pick," and I go inside. And it's just one match. so No, it's uh, best two out of three. Best two, so each person gets a chance of which grip they want? Yep. Okay. If they choose to. Okay. And And you just bear, you just murder. Yeah, and I want to talk about the the championship. That was just just taking a 360-pound man and tossing him over his shoulder. We got to put that on Instagram. This is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, um, that was, I was really fired. I remember that whole... The second yeah. day of the competition, because my semifinal match was against Dante. He was a uh, he was a former world champ. I had gone against him before. He was actually my first ever guy I went up against at the first Arnold Moss competition, um, and I knew he was going to be good. He came in at a bigger body weight. He's got the experience, and I remember just like waiting right before I get the at the stairway to the stage. Feeling like I was going to explode. Like I felt like my I was set on fire. My body was shaking, but I'm just like holding on to the rail, like shit, like as calm as I could be. And um, I go up to face him, and I beat him two to nothing. And then I knew, like, okay, I think I can win this whole thing. Yeah. And at the same time, like, oh, I'm gonna feel really bad because, like, I'm gonna give this guy like 120 <laughs> percent. <laughs> Cause no one's like, all right, I beat that guy over there. Yeah. I've I've won this sucker. Yep. Um, and that's why you see in the video in the first match, um, this guy who I never met him before. I knew he was another like top U.S. competitor. There may or may not have been some trash talking in the past, uh, <laughs> where I've heard because one of his guys who got him into Moss is a dear friend of mine who said like, like, hey, I got my boy here. And he says he can beat you. And I'm like, excuse me, I've never met this guy before. I was like, yeah, but like he, he says he thinks he can beat Pain Train. And then when I met him that weekend, I could tell the way he came up to me and approached me. I'm like, yeah, this guy definitely thinks <laughs> this guy definitely thinks he can just toss me. Yeah. And I knew like I knew that going into it. So I <laughs> I kind of was like, okay, well, you know what? Like, I completely understand, like, especially if he, you know, he's competed at the higher level, too. I totally understand. But, and this is where, like, this is where that competition and, like, still staying humble. Yeah. Where you have those moments where it's like, no, I'm going to show you I'm a completely different animal. Yeah. And that's that's why in the first video, the moment you see the ref say go, I am launching him through the air. (laughs) (laughs) And that was just simply to like, to say like, I just want you to know, like you have no idea what I am. (laughs) Dude, I want to like do that thing with you. I just want to feel the power. I just want to see. People do that. Oh, like even before that competition, people like at the gym would be like, Hulis, can I, 
can I just go against you just like for once? I just want to see. And I'll yeah. tell always so I'm like, all right, like I'll have you pull as hard as you can, and I'm just gonna stay there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna sit there, and I want you to pull as hard as you can. Oh, that's so <laughs> awesome! Hey, I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's been I. You know, looking back, I've I've really enjoyed the sport because it's. It's simple, it's explosive, like you're like I said, you're giving it everything you have either for two seconds or I've seen matches go for two minutes. I've had a match oh, that last really I've had a match that lasted a minute and I'm gonna tell like I'll tell anyone who does it, but if they've never done it before, like you will not know exhaustion yeah, until you've done a moss match. That's a full body tug. Yeah. Full body, it's grip, it's full back, arms. it's legs, it's abs. Um and what happens, like I said, you're you're in the most awkward position you can think of. Some people ask, like, what is it like? Like, okay, imagine imagine a narrow grip as hunched over as you can, like sumo deadlift. And now imagine doing that for a hundred percent of your max. For two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that's kind of moss wrestling. And it's it's so funny. Like it's how it's like I said, how it's all connected. So like I said, the ref you go off, it's a lot of reaction time. The moment the ref raises his hands, you're going. And what helps is what I learned playing at St. Thomas, being an offensive lineman, getting used to the snap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That oh, helped yeah. has helped in greatly. I remember like even in Russia, oh, yeah. once I beat I beat the Serbian champ in the semifinals. Um, he was five hundred pounds. Uh, he was I I was I won't lie, I was kind of scared going against this guy. <laughs> Cause like I saw him beat the Polish champ, who was also, like, a giant. And I'm like, oh, jeez. Like, I don't know how this is going to go. But I end up beating him. And after, like, we're off to the side talking, and he asks, like, oh, like, what what, what you do in, in the U.S.? I'm like, oh, I used to be football. Like, oh, American football? Yeah, that that makes sense. Like, oh, just yeah. all, like, that explosion, that, right. that explosion, like, right off the whistle. Yeah. I relate to Moss all the time. Like the moment, like being a guard, hearing the hike or seeing the center snap the ball, like going like, obliterating little freshman Greg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like that that reaction to where yeah, the moment I see that ref's hand start to move, I'm pulling that sucker yeah. as hard as I can. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very cool. That's freaking awesome. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for coming in. <laughs> Absolutely, this, this boys. Was, Thanks for having me. best guest yet. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> this, this was awesome. There's so much good stuff in here. Yeah. Was... Thank you, Yoshi. Absolutely. I'm glad I could be here for you, but it was great yeah. to see you guys again. Yeah. And as a result, we'll, we have we do a couple quick advertisements to our small audience. So if they want to follow you, they can find you at Pain Train strong, underscore strongman on Instagram. Correct? Yep. Yep. And your page is pretty much full of weight training content, um, your strongman competitions. Yep. And then is there, um, you can direct message you? Direct message me. There also is, um, I, I, I also have a small smaller page, Pain Train Strength Training, cool. um, which it highlights my clients. It has nothing Absolutely. to do with me. It's all about my clients and what they do. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. And, and then, it's, so like uh, like you mentioned, is DM the best way if they want to train with you? How, what What's their process to go through? Yeah, uh, DM me or or even like Facebook message me. I, okay. I, I, I use Facebook Messenger a lot um, or even or even like a text, like okay. email or text. So. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, the gym, which you train at is River City Ironworks Gym, which is located in River Falls, Wisconsin. That's correct. The last real gym in western Wisconsin. Absolutely. <laughs> it's a sweet gym. And then, yep, Pan Champ Personal Training, got that. And then, 
as for Yoakum Strength, um, follow Austin on Instagram, which is at Austin Yoakum. Um, you can DM Austin to contact him there. Check out the new website at www.yoakumstrength.com where you can buy a program and check out some past clients and also read some of Austin's blogs, which have been excellent. Um, at blogs on everything from weight training to mindset to um, business. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got some pretty nice little business articles. And then check out on the same yokumstrengthwebsite.com. You can find a link to Ghost Fit Clothing where you can buy all your Yokum Strength apparel. And also on the yokumstrength.com website, Austin is sponsored by Resistance Band Training. And you can buy bands for all your banded training needs as we were speaking about the Westside Conjugate Method you need some bands you can find them there um, and that's it that's it thank you for listening work hard be humble be great absolutely huh.